Hi, my name is Clayton, and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 podcast, where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how he calls us today. Each week we will journey through scripture to understand all that God has done, and what exactly his call is for our lives today. Welcome to week 55, a Bible study week, where we examine scripture and its application to our lives. It's been rumored that decades after the Vietnam War ended, a famous North Vietnamese general said, quote, What we still don't understand is why you Americans stopped the bombing of Hanoi. You had us on the ropes. If you had pressed us a little harder, just for another day or two, we were ready to surrender. It was the same at the Battle of Tet. You defeated us. We knew it, and we thought you knew it. But we were elated to notice your media was helping us. They were causing more disruption in America than we could on the battlefields. We were ready to surrender. You had won. End quote. You don't have to be a history buff to get the point. American forces were so close to victory, but gave up the fight. Whether or not this quote is true, there is strong implication for us as believers. It reminds us that sometimes we can be so close to achieving our goals But because things are hard or the voices around us are telling us that we shouldn't be doing it, we give up. We might be so close to victory and not even know it, but we give up far too soon because the struggle is too hard. The cost will be too great, and we are convinced that the challenge ahead of us is too much for us to bear. The goal is not worth the struggle. Many times we can have the same mentality when it comes to following Christ. We've become convinced that the cost is too great. The weight of the cross needs to be lighter for us. We can't bear it. It would be better if we just walked away. Well, today, we'll examine instances in the Gospels where people were so close, but walked away because the cost was too much. Before we begin, though, we must pray. We must allow God to open our hearts, our eyes, and our ears so that we can learn from these accounts and strive to make sure that we push on. So let us pray. Father in heaven, we come before you today and we ask that you will open our hearts, Lord. Open our hearts so we can see what is holding us back from coming to you, Lord. Open our hearts so that we can see our sinful behavior. And Lord, call us out on it. Let us strive to be closer to you this day. And let us not be like so many in the Gospels, Lord, who come so close and yet turn away, Lord. Don't let us be like that. Let us be your humble servants who obey your command and have taken every step we can to ensure that we are faithful disciples of you, Lord. I pray that you will have mercy on us, you will give us strength, and you will be with those, Lord, who have struggled in these last few days, Lord. I know there are many out there, Father, who are hurting, who might have lost a loved one or just going through a difficult time. And Lord, I pray that you will be with them. You will be with those families that are hurting, and you will just bring them some sort of comfort as only you can do, Lord. Bring us comfort and give us the ability to comfort those who are hurting, Lord. Let us be a good friend and a good follower of you. And in Jesus' holy and perfect name, amen. There are several instances in Scripture 
where people walk away because the cost is too much. They walk away from Jesus when they are so, so close to finally hearing and receiving the truth. Let us travel to the Gospel of John. There are two examples here in the Gospel of John that we will be looking at. First, we'll begin in John chapter 3. We'll be reading John chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. And as always, we will be reading from the ESV or English Standard Version Bible. Once again, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I have said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witnesses to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Holy Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his work has been carried out in God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. Nicodemus makes his first appearance here in these verses. And we almost all know the line Jesus tells Nicodemus in John 3.16. However, what most people fail to see is that during this conversation, It seems that Nicodemus is genuinely interested in what Jesus has to say. Nicodemus was a faithful Pharisee, and because he was fearful of what the Jews, his own people, would do if they found out that he was talking to Jesus, he met him in the darkness of night. Now, there's no indication that Nicodemus became a believer and a follower of Christ on the spot. In fact, John doesn't record anything about Nicodemus' thoughts or actions again until chapter 7, a full four chapters later. 
Regardless, we do know that Nicodemus has heard the gospel told to him in a way that is far better than what any preacher has ever done throughout history. He sat to face he sat face to face with the teacher and the preacher, the very Son of God. So let's see what Nicodemus does in John chapter 7, verses 40 through 52. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers said, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the laws accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Now, in John chapter 7, Nicodemus is finally back. Some time has passed since he's spoken with Jesus, but here's what is evidence. Nicodemus still hasn't become a follower of Christ. He didn't give everything up to go follow him. The rest of the Pharisees are tired of Jesus and are ready to get rid of him. But Nicodemus argues that Jesus is innocent, so they should at least have a fair trial. Yet it's clear in these verses that the rest of the Pharisee shut him down. Again, there's nothing overt about Nicodemus being a follower of Christ. Nothing to indicate that he believes in him or anything. Just because he tried to defend him doesn't mean that he believes in Christ. From there, Nicodemus does not appear for another 12 chapters. In John chapter 19, verses 38 through 42, Jesus has been killed and crucified. Joseph of Arimathea comes to bury Christ. This is what scripture records in John chapter 19, verses 38 through 42. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So, what does the last appearance of Nicodemus tell us? Well, again, there's no indication that Nicodemus is a believer, a follower, or even a disciple. Yes, he's been tried, he's tried defending Christ in the past. Yes, he just came to bury him. But does he believe in him? Well, we don't read anything that seems to say that. Yet it does reveal this information about Joseph. Read verses 38 and 39 again. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, 
came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. Did you catch that? Joseph was specifically identified as being a disciple of Jesus. But all the scripture says about Nicodemus is that he came to Jesus by night. This doesn't seem to be a symbolic thing either. It's not like how we say, oh, I came to Christ. No, it's literal. He came to Jesus at night, as we read in John chapter 3. Since John went out of his way to mention that Joseph was a follower of Christ, it makes logical sense that John would have made a similar mention of Nicodemus if he had come to faith in Christ. Now, could have Nicodemus been a disciple of Jesus and Scripture never explicitly stated it? Yeah, sure. However, I think from the context and the understanding of the way that the wording has been constructed, it does not seem that Nicodemus believed in the Lord Jesus. He might have thought highly of him or something like that, but he never made that step of repenting and believing. Was it out of fear of what the Jews would have said or done? Was it out of fear that the cost of becoming a disciple would lose his status as being a well-respected religious teacher? Whatever the reason, Scripture shows us that he was close. In fact, so close. He had one of the most impactful conversations with Christ ever recorded, but he couldn't do it. As we read on, we'll see that Nicodemus is not the only person like this. This next passage of Scripture is one that we briefly discussed last week. Let us turn to John chapter 6, verses 47 through 69. I know this may be a lot of Scripture to read, but it's important that we get the context surrounding why so many people leave Jesus right. So once again, John chapter 6, verses 47 through 69. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that your fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of those of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? 
Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus tells the people that he is the one who came down from heaven. He is God, and anyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So we see that it's an issue of deification, or the fact that Jesus claims to be God. Uh, People walk away from Jesus because of this teaching. Not just any people, but Scripture records them as being disciples. So that means that they were people who had been following Jesus and listening to his teachings. In fact, they've been following him and saying, Wow, this is a great teacher. I really like what he has to say. But then when Jesus brings in this serious statement, they back it up and say, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Man, I don't agree with that. I'm out of here. It says that many of the disciples turned away and no longer walked with him. And they were so close. They were right there, just like Nicodemus had been, face to face with the Son of God, only to turn away and leave behind Jesus because the saying was too hard. The crowd even tells Jesus that this is a hard saying. Who could possibly hear it? The cost is too much. Let's go away. And that's exactly what they did when they were so close. The scripture also gives us a look at the heart of Jesus. I truly think that every time people were so close and gave up out of enjoying their sin or the cost being too great, Jesus is heartbroken as he sounds in verse 67 when he says, Do you want to go away as well? Even though Jesus knew who would believe and who wouldn't, I think his heart is still broken each and every time people walk away. Speaking of walking away, we have more examples to look at. This time, let us turn our attention to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. In these verses, we see once again that the cost of following Jesus is just too great. So instead, the people, despite being so close, just walk away. Once again, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, What good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witnesses. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had many great possessions. Here, I think it is essentially heartbreaking because this young man knew the commandments of the law. He seemed sincere about coming to Jesus and wanting to follow him. Almost similar to Nicodemus. They knew the law and they were devoted to God. Yet after speaking with Jesus, it becomes clear that they are anything but devoted to God. Perhaps their quote-unquote religion was actually a religion that they had twisted themselves so that they could have been more righteous in their own eyes. When faced with the reality that their so-called religion did not actually save them and they weren't as faithful to God as they thought they were, They turn away, instead choosing to live feeling justified in their own eyes with thoughts of, well, I'm a good person, 
rather than being convicted by their sin and realizing that they were anything but. This young man is similar to another fellow who shows up in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, a lawyer comes to Jesus to test Christ. We won't read the whole account here, but notice what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 29. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? The lawyer didn't really care about anything Jesus had to say. All he cared about was how he could justify himself. He knew the law. He knew that the greatest commandment was that you should love God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. He knew that he should love his neighbor as himself. So to him, he was justified in the eyes of God. The historical account of the rich young man and this lawyer both prove to us a certain point. We can know scripture. We can know the truth deep down, but in reality, that does not save us. These men did not have faith, nor did they have the repentance of their sins. They were so close in the sense that they knew what scripture says. They were so close that they knew the truth can be found only in Scripture. But they turned away because the cost of having faith was too great. The repentance, the turning away from sins, that would just be too much for them. But there is one person, above all others, who walked away from Jesus after three years because the weight of the cross was too much to bear. The cost of social ostracization and shame was too much. So it's better to reject Jesus than have to face that. Turn with me to our final scripture for the day as we read Mark chapter 14, verses 66 through 72. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out in the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Simon Peter, one of Jesus' twelve apostles, but even more so, he was in Jesus' inner circle. He came so close, but walked away when the cost became too great. Of course, Peter would come back and eventually become the leader of the early church, but for a time, Peter was so close and turned away instead. In the moment, the shame and fear of being associated with Jesus was too much for Peter, and he determined that it was better to deny Jesus and walk away than face the consequences, than to face the cost of the cross. Though ironically, legend tells us that Peter would eventually find it that he would bear his own cross in order to follow Christ. Now we've looked at accounts all across the four Gospels of people being so, so close to being faithful followers of Jesus, but failed to make that final step. They were almost there, but the allure of sin, riches, social acceptance, and pressure 
all led them to refuse to go any further. Today, as we have examined these accounts, I encourage you to learn from them. Are you willing to bear the cross and follow Jesus? Or will you just be another person who comes so close but decides something else is more valuable than Jesus? Don't be another person who almost made it. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless.